KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. Yeah, there have definitely been a lot of names that people would recognize. I don't, you know, I could roll through a huge roll of decks here, but, you know, Mike Sosha played for the Dodgers, managed the Angels to a World Series. Jamie Moyer had played for uh, Lou Sosha down there in Tinicum. There's a story the Chester franchise made a serious attempt to try to bring Babe Ruth to the league. And our guest this week is Nick Ducombe. He is the president of the Delco Baseball League, which it's just a, an outstanding league. It is amazing. It's more than 100 years old. And Nick, thanks so much for coming in. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. So for people that aren't familiar, kind of give me the elevator pitch what the Delco Baseball League is all about. The Delco League is a semi-professional baseball league throughout the communities in Delaware County. It's been around since 1908, which we take tremendous pride in. It's actually the oldest incorporated baseball league in America, even to this day. We're very proud of that. There's a very, very rich history. Many, I mean, obviously, we'd be here for days if we discussed all the players that have come through in 115 seasons. Um, You know, the league has survived lots of adversity, you know, it's made it through, you know, World War One, World War Two, you know, the Korean War, Vietnam. There's always been a season. We were a little concerned, or I was, you know, in 2020 with the pandemic that, you know, we certainly didn't want that to be the first time we didn't have a season. But uh, we managed to make it through that as well and had, uh, you know, a, a robust, tremendous season that, you know, we were able to crown a champion in late August that year after starting on July 1st. So, Right now, how many teams, ballpark, and I'm sure every roster is different, how many players on each team? So right now, this we just finished up about a week ago. Uh, we crowned uh, Wayne for their record 18th championship. They've really been dominating, you know, the last few decades. But uh, there are seven teams this year. We're adding an eighth team. In Drexel Hill, we're going to keep a put a new team in Narbreth. We have a Narbreth franchise right now, and then uh, you know that Narbreth current franchise is going to move down to Drexel Hill. So we'll have eight teams. There's roughly um, during the regular season, it's a pretty open roster. Um, so you know they can have up to you know you just like the pros. You know you can dress you know twenty five. You can have up to 33 on the active roster. Uh, I would say most of the teams have about, you know, 20 to 25 guys on the roster. If someone, how do the teams come together? Like, is it just as simple as someone shows interest, comes to you or comes to the league and says, you know, I got a group of guys, we're interested in forming a team. Are there certain benchmarks you have to meet? You know, how does it kind of work? So in recent years, and, and one thing I'm big on you know, it doesn't help us at all if somebody wants to create a team and they want to use a bunch of players that are already in the league. So, for example, this new team coming in. So if somebody were interested in coming into the league, they would have to show that, you know, they have the proper facilities, a field, that type of situation, uh, the proper finances, and, you know, a roster that did not have current Delco League players on it. That's generally how you get in. And, you know, we we've managed to stay in an era where, you know, so many uh, of the leagues 
have pushed for, you know, a centralized ballpark. Uh, one thing that one great tradition, I believe, and one thing, you know, I've worked hard at keeping going is, you know, we're in the communities. Um, we've had, you, you name the community out in Delaware County. I mean, the, the first team, you know, in 1908 was in the Rutledge area, right by Swarthmore there. We've had teams, you know, the current teams reside, as I mentioned, in Wayne. We have an Upper Darby team, Narberth, Marble Newtown. We've had teams, you know, we have a Chester team. We've had Upland, Tinicum, uh, you know, again, too many to count over the years. But we've managed to stay in the communities. And some of those communities, you know, really, really come out to represent the team. You know, they, they follow the Delco League intensely, either online or in the paper. They're out at the games, and they, they really follow their team. You know, we just had game five of the championship, and there were between 650 and 700 people out there, which, you know, for me, I'm very proud of that. No, and that's for semi-pro local baseball. I think that's phenomenal. What's kind of your origin story with the league, not just becoming president, but kind of take me back. How do you get introduced to the Delco League? I got introduced uh, to the Delco League as a late teenager uh, through my uncle, William. He actually worked with Bob Brown. Bob Brown is uh, definitely a longstanding, iconic you know, player in the Delco League. He's played for, for a bunch of teams. Uh, he's ran teams, just has a, a very long history and played for decades. So, you know. Uh, my uncle had given him my number pre-cell phone error, unfortunately for me, <laughs> but you know, he gave me a call and invited me to go out and play. And at that time, that was the Marple Newtown franchise. And, you know, I went out and again, I was a young kid at the time, but About what year is this? Uh, this would be 1989. Okay. So I went out. It was one of those stories where I don't want to, you know, use an example, but the, there was a guy playing second base in front of me and he had gotten injured um, and he was going to be out for a good month or so. And back then in the Delco league, you know, we played, there were years right in that time period where they played 40 games a season before the playoffs. It was a long three month season. Back then we would start, you know, right away, early May and play to the end of July before we even started the playoffs. So I got the opportunity to get in there right away. And what can I say? You know, the rest is history throughout the years. Uh, I played for, you know, uh, most prominently that was with that Marple Newtown franchise, even though Bob and some other players had, had moved on at some point. I stayed with that Marple Newtown franchise for a number of years, played a few with Springfield, played a couple with a Brookline franchise. And then, uh, you know, I had the, the bug to start my own team. And actually with Bob, with Bob's help, we started another league in the Delaware County area at that time in the mid nineties, there were enough good ball players around that we were able to do it. And another thing I'm very proud of eventually, including my own team, you know, that league became a bit of a feeder system for the Delco league as we put, you know, uh, four or five franchises into the league, a couple of which are, are still with the league today. My franchise in Marple Newtown, Aston, that's kind of how it went. And eventually after owning the team and running the team and playing, you know, several of the other owners uh, had wanted me to get a bit involved in the leadership. And initially I was the vice president for a couple of years. And then, uh, you know, ultimately uh, eight years ago became the president. And 
still going along and trying to keep the league as viable as possible in, you know, today's environment, you know, with baseball. It was 20, if I'm correct, 2015 you took over or is it 2014? Yeah, 2015. 2015. And it's important to know because, you know, if people are casually listening, you hear franchises and leadership and it gives this impression that it's all these full timers and there's an all, this is all folks doing this on the side for the most part, correct? I mean, from players, you know, most people are working their jobs and then hustling over to, to, to play on a Tuesday night. Am I uh, correct? 100%. I mean, uh, like a lot of baseball leagues, including the MLB, the league has gotten a bit younger in recent years. Uh, so we do have some, some younger guys uh, more than we've ever had. But in general, yes, you're 100% correct. Um, everybody, you know, has a day job. And they'll come out after, you know, a long day of work. And the competitive nature of the Delco League requires a lot of work, especially behind the scenes in, you know, building your team, building your roster, you know, getting the team prepared to play every night, you know, and getting quality pitchers out there and, you know, putting a competitive product out, you know, as many nights as possible. Um, so, yes, it's, it's definitely a big challenge that way, and, and it always has been. So we're going back to 1908, this league starts, and I'm sure over 100-plus years, there have been names that have come through the league that people would recognize because even past the Del the Delaware Valley, this is a rich area for, for baseball. So, you know, just kind of give me a quick uh, a skimming of some of the familiar names that have come through the Delco League in one role or another. Yeah, there have definitely been a lot of names that people would recognize. I don't, you know, I could roll through a huge roll of decks here, but just some prominent names would be, uh, you know, Mike Sosha, you know, played for the Dodgers, managed the Angels uh, to a World Series. Uh, Jamie Moyer had played for uh, Lou Sosha down there in Tinicum. Keith Hughes. Uh, former Philly. Ring, former Philly. Who I thought was going to be a superstar, by the way, back in late 87. He came up in, you know, had a couple of great weeks, I remember. Left-handed hitter, right? Yes, yeah. left-handed hitter. Yeah. And just, for my money, having played against him in the Delco League, even after his professional career and even when he got older, I mean, he was just a menace up there at the plate. I mean, you know, he would terrorize you. Just one of those and, guys that looked like a hitter. Like, there oh, are just yeah. certain guys no, he's that... an absolute hitter. Yeah. Absolute. Professional hitter through and through, you know, and very enjoyable uh, to play with them. Uh, another former Philly and his son is currently in the league would be Dickie Knowles. Dickie Knowles pitched in the league. You know, He's after. been on this podcast as well, by the way. Has he? He has. So, <laughs> well, you can ask him about his Delco league days, you know, I'm sure he prefers uh, his MLB days to those, but uh, anyway, it was still great to have him. These guys that, you know, came along after uh, their professional career was over. And as I said, uh, you know, Dickie Knowles' son currently plays for the Chester franchise. So, uh, you know, Ben Davis played more recently, uh, a guy that had uh, played for the Marple Newtown franchise, Amir Garrett. Some people may be familiar with him. He's a professional pitcher right now, played uh, seven years with the Reds at the MLB level. He's currently with Kansas City. Uh, we could go back a bit. You have uh, Jimmy Dykes played. And then um, there's a great story from 1915, uh, home run Baker and Connie Mack, home run Baker, had been with the A's, and they had a what I guess now history would say is a temporary falling out. And back at that time in the Delco League, 
the owner or the person running that franchise could go out to Home Run Baker and say, hey, you know, we'll pay you at least what they're paying you or could offer him more, could offer him whatever he wanted, whatever he had. So they were able to strike a deal or Home Run Baker and Upland struck up a deal in 1915 and no coincidence, he dominated and they won the championship that year. So there's a story from 1917 where, uh, you know, the Chester franchise made a serious attempt to try to bring Babe Ruth to the league. Really? Yes. Now that never came to fruition, but they went as far as, you know, the leadership of that franchise, uh, you know, went to Boston, met with Babe Ruth at his apartment. Same as someone Baker were prepared to offer him at least and or more at that time uh, as to what he was making. And uh, obviously uh, that did not work out, but just one of the thousands of stories you had asked me before we came on, what makes the league so special to me? Uh, the, the number one thing that makes it special is, uh, I mean, look how, how old this league is. We just finished our 115th season and that's an awfully long time. And you think about all the people uh, that would have come and gone uh, through, you know, the leadership of the league, the teams, the franchises, the players, the support system. I'm just, you know, a steward trying to keep it going, try to, you know, as I said, keep it very viable and have it evolve and improve it every day. But I just have tremendous respect for all the folks that have come before me that that's, you know, why we're here today, you know, at 115 years. You mentioned all these names that have come through and, you know, we're talking over so many different years, but what is it like for the league when you have a former major leaguer playing in games? Is it something that's focused on or is part of the fun that, you know, yeah, this guy used to pitch for the Phillies, but now he's just number 36 and he'll be starting on Thursday. Like, and I don't mean that in a, in a bad way, but it's just, I would imagine part of the fabric of it is that, you know, the the league keeps going. And, yeah, we've got some guys, but, you know, it's always here. Yeah. No, uh, it's a little bit of both. If you went back a number of years, you know, there would have been more attention. Kind of like, the you know, when you initially started stating that, hey, uh, you know, Tiki Knowles is pitching Thursday for, you know, Marple Newtown uh, against uh, Brian Stump from Springfield. And on the guy who played, you know minor league baseball in the Philly system. It was a huge deal uh, with today's player. It's a little bit more like, okay, great. I mean, they get excited. They get very excited about, you know, playing against whether he's a position player or a pitcher, you know, major league talent, or at least, you know, professional talent. There've been a ton of players who never played affiliated baseball, but played independent baseball. And took a pit stop in the Delco League, whether it be for a season or a couple seasons. And we have uh, a great pitcher in the league right now, Chris Murphy. He was drafted in 2015 by the Astros. Obviously played several seasons of minor league baseball, a few indie. And now the last couple of years, he's been pitching for the Aston franchise. Then it's a great challenge, you know, when you go out to you know, face a guy that can really in a league like the Delco League, you know, very capable of dominating the league. You mentioned earlier about the league being a little younger, but overall, is it, do you have like an average age at this point? You know, like, uh, is it mostly maybe kids out of high school, college, or is it mid-30s? 
you know, or is that part of the fun is you've got some, you could have a 19 year old playing second base and you could have a 43 year old in right field. And it's kind of all, all across the roster. Yeah. No, to me, uh, again, one of the great things about the league is uh, you could have uh, at this point with the proper insurance waiver, you could have a 17 year old playing second base and a 40 year old or a 40 plus year old playing first or pitching, whatever the case is. I mean, and from that point, we're still an old fashioned semi-pro league. You have a lot of what I call, you know, you have the college destination leagues, obviously the most famous that people would know would be the Cape Cod right. league where, you know, uh, even they've had to expand a little bit, you know, it, you know, at one time you could only play in the Cape if, you know, the following season was going to be your draft year, but they've gotten a little younger too. If I had to guess, I would say the average age across our league right now is probably early twenties. Okay. Um, because there are definitely some, you know, there's plenty of high school players postgraduate that are 18, uh, maybe 19. There's plenty of college players throughout the league. And then you definitely have, you know, there's definitely an element still of the guys I have, you know, several that play for me that at this point are in their late twenties, um, early thirties, and they can still come out and play and, you know, try to mix it up with the 18 year olds. You know, we're, it's really across the board that way, which uh, it's, you know, it's great competition. Do you get a lot of scouts coming out? We, we absolutely get the scouts coming out, especially, uh, you know, when you have a player that's worth taking a look at. Um, I've always said, you know, and I've dealt with a lot of players and a lot of scouts at this point with the way the major league scouting system is, it's, it's hard to find a diamond in a rough. If you have a guy out there on your roster that throws 95, uh, I guarantee you all the local scouts that work the area, they know that and they will be out. So yes, I mean, there's, there's definitely scouts that come around and, you know, want to check out the young players. And now that's, you know, part of the competition. You take a league like the Cape league where, you know, it's restricted to, you know, the best division one mm-hmm. or, you know, college players that they can get their hands on that are, you know, going to be draft eligible soon in the next year or two. That concept makes it a lot easier for the scouts, but, you know, we try to do everything we can to keep the players home or have them come, you know, without, we've never gone to that level where, you know, we've wanted to become a destination league or, you know, college only, you know, that would take away and from what it yeah, is. Yeah, that, that would take a, away from everything that the local league has worked all these years to build. You never know what the future holds with sports or whatever the case is. But um, yeah, we, you know, I would say the, the franchises and the teams are out there absolutely trying to get their hands on the best players that they can, you know, mostly local from a lot of colleges. So kind of give me, you know, you're talking roughly in a non pandemic season, you're talking about three months. How many games do you guys in a perfect world are on a schedule? Is it 35 ish? Not anymore. Okay. Um, in recent years, you know, we've been playing 24 games. Okay. We're not starting until the day after Memorial day in recent years. Okay. As the league has gotten younger, it just makes it easier. Some of those players, you know, whether they're finishing up high school or college, those seasons aren't going to be over, depending on if it's D1, 2, or 3. Obviously, D1 goes to Memorial Day weekend. And then 
That includes, you know, most of the conference tournaments end on Memorial Day weekend. So unless you're going on, you know, for a regional or something, most of the players start to become available at that point. So I started uh, a few years ago. We start that Tuesday after Memorial Day. Longstanding tradition we've had, whether we started on a Saturday or Tuesday, is the two teams that, you know, played in the championship the year before. That's the only game that night. And then everybody else picks it up the next night. So this coming season uh, with the eight teams, we'll look to play 28 games. And then, you know, several rounds of the playoffs. And the last two rounds of the playoffs are best of five series. So, you know, you're still looking at, you know, close to 40 games uh, to win the championship and in a shorter period of time. You know, you figure that, you know, you're starting those last few days of May and, you know, we start the playoffs generally every year on or about July 24th, 25th. And we like to be wrapped up by the end of that second week in August, the the 12th, the 14th, Mm -hmm. right in there. Because, you know, the kids are going back, uh, especially the college guys, they're leaving to go back to school. And if you do have a high school player that perhaps he's involved in a fall sport or football, a lot of their camps are kicking off right around that time of year, especially out in Delaware County. So, you know, we try to we try to work with that. Again, I guess that time frame, it, it to your point, it keeps it from, you know, this team just lost six guys and they've got to bring. But there's a continuity in that time period where the, the teams are the teams. I mean, there's always going to be, you know, some movement, stuff like that. But uh, it sounds like it's very well designed to kind of be encapsulated where a guy's going to be able to be there on opening day and be there for the championship game and not have to go away to that point. What prevents are there rules in place that somebody from Marple Newtown's cousin plays, you know, in the Phillies organization and maybe got cut and prevents him from coming in for a championship series. Are there certain ways that the, you guys to make sure that, the rosters are are in good faith and not, you don't have ways to bring in ringers. Correct. Yes. We absolutely have those rules in place. Um, first thing is to be eligible for the playoffs. There's a minimum appearance. Okay. Um, so you have to appear in generally it's 25% of the regular season games for that team. As far as, you know, a player, if he got released or cut and his contract, you know, was terminated, he absolutely is eligible to come and play in the league, uh, and he can be picked up uh, at any time. And even if there's not enough games, it's a pretty open roster during the regular season. So you can utilize a player even if you can't get him playoff eligible. Um, if they're under any type of professional contract, they can't play. You know, we don't use players that are under. Um, now, you know, there shouldn't ever be really any situation if they're still currently under a professional contract the pandemic year possibly could have you know caused a couple wrinkles with that but in the end you're talking extraordinary circumstances yeah you'd have to be talking an extraordinary circumstance where a player um as you said a ringer like he had an off day or something right and he wanted to come help out his buddy who's running a team and meanwhile he's under a contract with the phillies or the Mm -hmm. orioles or something yeah that's that type of stuff's not allowed but yes, uh, very often over the years, I mean, for probably, you know, since the inception of the league or early on, a player that gets, you know, cut or released, if he comes back to this area and he's looking to, you know, still keep his baseball skills sharp, you know, he's he's definitely going to look to the Delco League for that. 
We need to take a break on one-on-one. We will have more with the president of the Delco Baseball League, Nick Decombe, right after this. And we are back. Our guest this week on one-on-one is Delco Baseball League president, Nick Decombe. So you're talking, I guess, two to three games a week for most teams. Maybe a practice if you can fit it in, you know, between guys that have to work and and stuff like that. What's kind of the the average week yeah, during season? Definitely three games a week. Uh, we mix in a couple double headers uh, to help with the schedule. Uh, you could have, you know, if you get some bad weather, uh, a team could get backed up. Maybe have a, a couple of five game weeks, or we finished off. Uh, with a double header and then five in a row. So we had a seven game week to finish ours. Weather was part of the factor that, that, you know, caused that. Uh, but I would say on average, it's three games a week for sure. And a few weeks are definitely four games. Um, but again, that's, that was always one of the great things about the Delco league. And even still now starting around Memorial day, you're going to play baseball at a very high competitive level. You don't want to be playing once a week. Um, because it's very hard to hit in general, let alone a 90 mile an hour fastball. If you haven't been out in a week and haven't had any batting practice or whatever the case is, there's not much practice going on during the season with the teams. Uh, I would say, you know, almost a hundred percent of the teams take batting practice before the game. But as far as practicing away from like on an off day, you know, I don't see a lot of that going on. I mean, maybe in the playoffs, that definitely could occur. They'll take a batting practice, work out, definitely. But in the regular season, because as you mentioned, everybody does have a day job and things like that, playing the three, four games a week on average is, is usually enough. And if you're getting out, as I'm sure you can figure out, your your baseball skills, you're going to get, I like to say baseball shape. If you're in good baseball mm-hmm. shape, yeah, you're able to hit, right? Your arm's in good shape, you're ready to go. And, um, you know, after... Uh, you know, a week or two, even if they're not coming from a school season, I think most of the guys are ready to go. Where does the money for uniforms, you know, if you, I don't know if, if there's money to play on the fields, it's probably, I imagine situations are different everywhere. Uh, where for bats, is it BYOB? You bring your own bat. You, I mean, obviously your own glove, stuff like that, but balls and stuff. Where's kind of the, the, the money to kind of run the the basics that they come from the teams are definitely privately owned and you know in one fashion or another they're responsible for the, okay. for the funding privately funded now just like mlb you have some small market teams and you have some really large market teams so you know in the delco league some of the teams um are in better shape than the others but i would say you know speaking from my own experience if you don't just fully fund the team you have some fundraisers and, you know, the money comes from that. But, yes, you, you're 100% responsible each franchise for paying for the the baseballs, the field, the umpires, the uniforms. So, as you can assess, it's not cheap. You know, for us, it's a, you know, it's a little bit of a mix. Some of the, the you know, you get some player donations. You have a couple fundraisers. Uh, and then, you know, generally whoever, you know, owns the team, that individual is definitely putting it in you know, a few extra thousand bucks to, to keep the team going that season. What is your favorite part of being not so much the president, but being a part of this league? Like what, why do you keep coming back? 
what is kind of the the spark of your passion for this league? Well, I love baseball and I love the league. And that word you just used, spark, I've never lost my spark for either one. So um, I still enjoy baseball. I, I know, especially at the professional level, it's changed a lot in recent years and and evolved. But I still love baseball. I love the league. Um, I love my team. I love getting out there competing. I love uh, managing. I love, you know, when we get into the playoffs and I get out to so many of the games, um, often more than one game in the same day, you know, and I, I walk around and, you know, saying hello to the fans and the people that come out, you know, to watch the games. You know, I've been, uh, I started a fan appreciation uh, day that's morphed into two or three days uh, in the championship round, you know, where we'll, and we do it sometimes during the season too, you know, uh, during an all-star game or just a, a a rogue, you know, Wednesday night game. Uh, we had a game of the week for quite a while um, where we get some coverage from the paper and stuff like that. I just enjoy all aspects of it. And I enjoy the Delco League uh, game. It, it's still more of an older school game in the sense that you don't have a lineup of nine players where they're all coming up and hitting a home run one after the other. You know, I, I joke around, but Major League Baseball at times seems like a wiffle ball game. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's hitting a home run or striking out and there's no strategy. It's pretty Not uneventful. a lot of action anymore. Not a lot of action. You know, you never thought when I was a kid, I would have never thought I'd be saying watching, you know, four or five home runs is not a lot of action. But unfortunately, with them making the ballpark smaller and everything they've done to increase the scoring, whereas in the Delco League... You know, there is still an element of strategy in small ball, um, you know, stolen bases, bunting, moving a runner. Uh, you'll still see a hit and run, things like that, you know, stuff that you, you just don't see uh, in a professional game anymore. And, you know, like I said, I really I really enjoy all that. And, you know, it, you hear athletes and people that were around sports all the time. And, you know, it really is true. Like, I enjoy both with my own team first and foremost. But as I said, my team got knocked out of the playoffs and, you know, I still continue to run the playoffs and stuff. And there's a sense of camaraderie out there with the players and, you know, we'll sit around after the game, you know, talk about things, stuff like that. I, I love every aspect of that. And, and Marple Newtown, is that the team you manage? That's the team that I, I manage, but I, like I said, I, I enjoy all aspects. And one thing since I've become president, um, I'm always trying to take the league next level or make the next step. Case in point, how, you know, we came to pass, uh, you know, Joe Greenwich. I've had him broadcasting games for the last six or seven years. We experimented a little bit with adding the video to that. I looked to add the video to the broadcasts, you know, and just, just keep things going in the right direction. Last year, I had an old-timers game. I might have bit off more than I can chew because I had an old-timers game and our regular all-star game on the same day, one after the other. Um, it was probably 99 degrees, and but a lot of fun. You know, uh, I look to try to make uh, some type of old-timers alumni game, you know, a staple on the Delco League calendar. And we've got some plans in the works to, to move forward with that. But uh, all the folks that came out to that, you know, had a great time. And, um, if I heard it from one player, I must've heard it from 20. 
um, they saw old friends and people they played ball with that they haven't seen in some cases 30, 40 years. The first year we did it, I wanted it, you know, I had Bob Brown and Jim Vankoski and a couple guys that, you know, were old timers in the Delco League, you know, help uh, get me in touch with, with some of the, the guys that played a long time ago. But like I said, ultimately, it's something we'd like to, to do every season. And eventually uh, some of those players would get younger and we'll go from there. And how neat is it just, you know, you mentioned you got a lot of kids maybe out of high school getting ready for college or playing in the summer or in college, stuff like that. You've got like these young kids and they're hanging out with guys that in some cases, maybe their dad's age, stuff like that, you know, playing second and short and it's a 20 year difference. And, you know, it must be just kind of a cool experience for everyone to kind of be hanging out with people that probably you wouldn't be hanging out with in any other situation other than if you're playing in the Delco league. No. Well, cause that, that love of baseball brings us all together and the Delco league definitely provides the vehicle for that. Now, from my own experience, uh, I really enjoy it. Um, I enjoy the young players and, you know, obviously with the team, you know, you don't want to, if you can avoid it, you don't want, you don't want to be a hundred percent, you know, youthful out there. You need some age and experience, um, a couple guys to show some leadership and stuff out there, but I enjoy it. Um, the, the younger players to me, it, I think it helps keep me young personally. So, you know, I, I love being around the players. Um, I've never found uh, any type of age gap issue where, you know, where I can't communicate, mm-hmm. um, whether it's on my team or somebody else involved in the league. Um, you know, like the stuff we're trying to do to help with the, the you know, the evolution of the league with social media and stuff like that. I mean, I try to stay, you know, with all that stuff. So, like I said, I really enjoy it, whether it's a 16, 18, 22-year-old. I mean, you know, you hear and you see people that, you know, will get aggravated at times with, you know, maybe a a stupid mental mistake in baseball, you know, made by a younger player or a rookie or somebody inexperienced. But after you've been at it as long as I have, you realize, you know, I mean, I, I can't remember. What kind of, if I was that type of player then, I mean, I, you know, but I just work as hard as I can to teach them and instill the, you know, some of the fundamentals out there that I don't think have ever changed. You know what I mean? In baseball, I know with analytics and stuff like that, especially at the professional level, as we discussed, a lot of that's changed. But like I said, we're still out there bunning and yeah, you'll occasionally, you know, you get a guy out there who's like, uh, you know, they don't want to bunt, but. Yeah, I have players that play for me now that perhaps five, six, uh, seven years ago, maybe the first time, you know, I asked them to do something like that. They were a little grouchy about it. And then within a couple of years, they're grouching at other young guys that don't want to, you know, or don't see the value in it, things like that. Mm -hmm. So when you can create a culture like that, it's very enjoyable. You have to, it's like anything else in life, right? I mean, communication is usually the key. Um, It's not a lot different in sports. And I, it must be a lot of fun during the summer to have like this league as kind of something that kind of brings the community together. And I don't just mean like at the games, but you run into guys running into Wawa and you can bust stones about the, the fly ball they dropped or pat on the back. Hey, 
great job on that 0-2 pitch in the eighth last night. Huge hit. It just that just must be a really nice dynamic that you can't like put a price or put a put your finger on, but it it, it just kind of permeates the community because this is something that kind of brings people together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it's a frater- I would say it's a fraternity, right? You you spend any amount of time in the Delco League, um, you really feel it, you experience it, you become part of that fraternity, and it happens as you said on all levels. Um, you know, I may run into a couple guys at you know a restaurant or like you said, the Acme or Wawa. The younger guys, I hear the stories all the time from my players. They may run into each other, you know at a bar or nightclub if they're out a little late or something like that. Or I run into people all the time at my gym, you know what I mean? All the time. So yeah, that aspect, it, it, I've met more people than I could possibly remember. And, you know, I've made a, a lot of great friends. I've got a lot of, you know, relationships that have come out of my time uh, in the Delco league, uh, whether it's with, you know, as I said, people that I've met, players that have played for me, folks on other teams, um, you know, other owners, other management, just across the board, you know, in 30 years, you know, uh, it's really worked out for me that way. And I know the players aren't paid now. And you referenced, we were talking some of the old time stories that, you know, money was changing hands. Was there kind of a line in the sand when the decision was made? Like, okay, we're just going to, we're not going to pay guys anymore. That's not what the league is going to be about. And when was that? Yeah, so we like to separate the, the, you know, the league into you know the really three genres. You have the real old time, uh, early years, uh, and that type of stuff was going on as we discussed. Then you have the the post World War II era, which we refer to as the golden era, uh, and there was still quite a bit of that going on then. And then you have the modern era, which still goes back quite a ways. But yes, there were some bylaws created. Um, you know, in the mo- early on in the modern era, um, that stated that you know you could no longer pay the players, you know, under contract uh, to come out and play, and you know that that started to become really prevalent where that all stopped in the uh, you know in the sixties and the seventies. Uh, the bylaws have also evolved and you know been updated at times, but yeah, you, at this point, um. And for decades, we just have not allowed any payment mm-hmm. of any kind for strictly baseball services rendered. And just to kind doesn't of doesn't mean they don't throw an occasional hot dog or right. you know, steak somebody's <laughs> <back>. <laughs> the, the One of the cool things is like the more I dug into the Delco League, I mean, there's the league itself. But I mean, you've got I've seen people like on Facebook, historians that will post stuff. You know, you mentioned an alumni game. All-Star Game, Hall of Fame, like, this is much more than just kind of a, a league that plays for three months. I mean, our half-hour discussion to this point should prove that. But, I mean, there is really a lot involved and a lot invested and a lot of people invested. When I say invested, I don't mean money. I mean time and love and passion really invested in this. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, for me, I say it all the time. Um even when I'm running the grill during those championship games, I mean, it's a, it's a labor of love. It really is. Um, because you know, the, uh, the only money that's being exchanged in the Delco league is generally going out of somebody's pocket. Um, you know, we're certainly not a, a money making entity. Um, 
but yeah, there, there is a lot to it. And I like to, I, I keep a lot going between the website and, you know, the events that we're having, what we're doing on the field, off the field, the fundraisers, stuff like that, because, you know, I believe it's important. And yeah, Jim Vankoski runs the, uh, Delaware County sports legends museum out there. Uh, in Radnor, I don't know if you've ever had a chance I have, to. I have been there. It's, yeah, it's awesome. It's 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 really awesome. Um, and there, not only do you find, and if you've been there, you know this, just, you know, Delaware County sports legends, obviously there's a, an enormous part of that that's dedicated to the Delco League. Generally, we had a fundraiser just back in May, and we had it there at the museum. Uh, so people that attend, they get a chance to see some of those great displays. And again, I go back to the the longevity of the league and the rich history really helps create a lot of that though. I mean, the stories are there based on that history. Nick DeCombe, this was so much fun. Thanks for coming in. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. It was a lot of fun for me too. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Delco League President Nick DeCombe for being our guest this week. Now, if you like this show and you want to help us out, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one on one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks so much for listening.